Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Wednesday, February 28th. Happy Car Keys and Small Change Day, which celebrates pockets, because of course it does, and which takes place today because theoretically pockets were invented on this date in 1590. So why not just call it Pocket Day, you ask? Because that's crazy talk. You're talking crazy. In my five minutes of research for this bit, I learned quite a lot about pockets, which sounds weird no matter how many times I say it. I learned when pockets became popular. I learned women quit using pockets after purses took off. And I learned there are eight, count them, eight different kinds of pockets. Some even have two names. Darn. To celebrate Pocket Day, the calendar people suggest several things, all of which are silly. Sorry to harsh your mellow like that, but they are. Almost as silly as me talking about it for two minutes. But sometimes the calendar people don't give me much to work with. Today is also National Science Day and Rare Disease Day, which almost triggered another rant about clot shots and chemicals in our food and such. But if I'm sick of talking about it, y'all probably sick of hearing about it. Plus, it's getting harder for me to make harming innocent people funny. Reagan said the scariest nine words ever are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. So let's just say when it comes to the B system, if you see a white lab coat, run and leave it go at that. Thing is, it ain't rare disease day. Oh, it's supposed to be, being the last day of February and all, but this year, February 28th, ain't the last day. The calendar people are forcing an extra day on us this year. Just when we thought we was out, they pull us back in. They do it to us every four years too, but not every 400 years, they skip that one. So why all the calendar silliness? I'll tell you tomorrow. The music's about over and we got stuff to do. Our reading for today is Leviticus 22:17 through 23:44, Mark 9:30 through 10:12, Psalm 44:1-8, and Proverbs 10:19. So if y'all are ready, I have some pajama pants with pockets in them, which is cool cuz before I had to hold my keys and wallet in my hands while I slept. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday on the 27th in the Old Testament, we read Leviticus 20.22 through 22.16. And the end of chapter 22, that starts out, Ye shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them, that the land, whither I bring you to, to dwell therein, spew you not out. Wait, so that the land not vomit you out? Which is what the Strong says. The Ellicott commentary says that's a figure of speech, and none of the others even want to comment on it. So I guess we're just going to go right on by that and not discuss how the Lord keeps on ascribing agency, if not outright sentience, to the heavens and the earth and oceans and inanimate objects and such. I'm telling y'all, get out of this three-dimensional world and into the higher realms of heaven and things are going to be way different. But I don't want to derail this on the first verse. The next section is about the importance of remaining holy and not walking in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. Basically, he's saying, I'm taking this land away from the people that live there, and from the gods that they worship, really, and I'm going to give it to you. But this is my yard, and don't bring any other gods into it. And in chapter 21, we have more rapid-fire rules. And these are for the priestly class, the sons of Aaron. He starts out by saying, only if the priest is immediate family should he ever handle a dead body, to prepare it for burial and such. Because it's a defilement of the living. 
And don't do any of the pagan things for mourning either, like shaving your head or cutting the flesh. Because all these sacrifices that y'all do are types of the death of Christ, who's going to conquer death, and from God's perspective already has. All y'all have everlasting life in the Messiah. You just can't see it yet. It would therefore be unsuitable that y'all should have the same freedom as other people to become mourners. Be just unseemly. (laughs) He says priests should not marry a whore or a divorced woman, only a virgin of his own people. And the daughter of any priest, if she profane herself by playing the whore, she profaneth her father. She shall be burnt with fire. And we can only speculate on how a daughter's actions profane her father, but I suspect we'll find out in heaven. I can say that priests are types of Christ, who is our final and highest priest, and his bride is always portrayed as virginal, not a whore. So for regular priests to do otherwise messes up the prophecy. And while the priest has oil on his head, that oil is meant to represent a crown. So he shall not uncover his head, nor rend his clothes, nor touch a dead body, Neither shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor profane the sanctuary of his God. And if he's got any blemish or deformity, or blind or what have you, he can't be a priest. Because that represents sin, and our high priest is sinless. He shall eat of the bread of God, both of the most holy and of the holy, but that's it. He can't go past the veil or come near the altar. And in chapter 22 he says, Even if the priest has no spot or blemish, if he's got uncleanness on him, of whatever kind, like he's been handling dead bodies or vermin or has a running sore, he stays out too and can't touch any holy things in the temple. Verse 9 says, if the Lord catches him doing any of that, he'll kill him. He says, there shall no stranger eat of the holy thing, no traveler or hired servant. If the priest buys a servant, that servant can eat of the holy stuff, but that's it. Not unlike how we are purchased by Christ and can therefore partake of what's holy. See how that works? And if a stranger does it accidentally, he's got to pay back plus 20%. But that's where we stopped reading. And Leviticus impresses us to not tolerate sin because God doesn't. And God will not accept just anything offered by just anyone. He's laying out the way to know him and to stay close. And then in the New Testament, we read Mark 9, 1 through 29. And verse 1 really belongs at the end of that speech Jesus was given at the end of chapter 8. He said, There be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And a lot of folks say this refers to John, who had the vision of the second coming way late in life in the book of Revelation. And I think so too. But also, six days after this, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a mountain and transfigured himself into his glorified and powerful form right in front of them. Why? Because I think that must have been some kind of middle ground or overlap or airlock kind of deal or something between earth and heaven. And the Lord can't very well bring that mortal body into heaven, so he had to change back to normal for a minute. And while they were up there, Jesus has a quick staff meeting with Moses and Elijah. And I'm made of questions about this. Why, for one? What was the subject of this meeting? What was going on in heaven that required a face-to-face with Jesus and couldn't wait till Jesus got there in a few months or however long it was? And why Moses and Elijah? What are their positions in this organization? What kind of work were they doing? And were there documents or blueprints maybe? And who called this meeting? Was it Jesus or Moses and Elijah so high-ranking they warranted some face-to-face guidance from the CEO? And why were Peter, James, and John allowed to sit in? But all of that seems like stuff we don't need to know. And I guess I'm right about that, because we're not told. And Peter, bless his heart, sitting there watching this whole mind-blowing scene unfold right in front of him, not knowing what to do with his hands, so to speak, 
doesn't get that whatever he's thinking, this is not the time, and he decides to join in. And I picture James and John shushing him and trying to grab his arm before he embarrasses himself, but they couldn't catch him. And he speaks up and says, Master, this is awesome. How about we build three tabernacles up here, one for each of you? Okay, why? Peter, you really think Moses and Elijah are going to leave the throne room of God to come down here and live on this dusty mountaintop in one year janky little huts? Is that the plan? You think they're planning on sticking around? And right then, a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. In the Greek, it's listen to him. Which is basically Father God's polite way of saying, Peter, your mouth is talking. You might ought to look to that. (laughs) And suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. And verse 10 says, And they kept that saying with themselves, questioning one with another what the rising from the dead should mean. Well, in the Greek, it means rising from the dead. So I'd go with that. (laughs) And the disciples, probably Peter, is like, long as we're on the subject, Lord, why say the scribes that Elias must first come? Before you is the implication. And Jesus says, yeah, that's right. Elias comes first. But I say unto you that Elias is indeed already come. And they have done unto him whatsoever they listed as it is written of him. And other gospels confirm that he's talking about John the Baptist who either was Elijah or the spirit of Elijah or something. And that raises another interesting question about that staff meeting we just had. Because in Revelation, we have these two witnesses that show up that some people think are Moses and Elijah come back from heaven. And the problem with that is the two witnesses are killed and then raised again on the third day. And you're only supposed to get to die once, which Moses already did. So other folks say the two witnesses are Enoch and Elijah because they're the only two in the Old Testament that never died. Solid theory, but if John was some kind of Elijah, number one, did we have to wait for him to die before we could hold this staff meeting? And B, if he died, that kind of throws a wrench into that second theory about the witnesses, don't it? Because you don't get to die twice. Unless I'm really way off base, which is probably true. Anyway, we get down off the mountain, and he finds the scribes hassling the disciples and the multitude gathered around listening. And when they see Jesus coming, they forget all about the scribes and run to him. And he asked the scribes, why are y'all harassing my people? Well, it turns out one of the crowd brought his son who was possessed with a demon for healing. And that demon held him mute and made him jump in the fire or in the water and made him act like a rabid dog and wouldn't let him eat and just trying to kill him, basically. And the disciples had been trying to cast it out, but they couldn't, which disappoints Jesus. And he calls them a faithless generation. And he says, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And the kid's dad said something really profound. The father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Cause both belief and unbelief can and do exist in us at the same time. And they work against each other. So where he said, I believe, help thou mine unbelief, we should probably all tattoo that on the back of our eyelids. (laughs) Then Jesus ran that demon off and the kid was fine. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Okay, well there's something else I want to know a lot more about. You mean there's kinds of these things? How many kinds are there? And are there any kinds more powerful than this kind? And how do we tell the difference? Could we get a detailed description of this demonic hierarchy? Maybe an organizational (laughs) flowchart? And that ain't even the end of this chapter. 
But that's where we stopped reading, and darn, that's enough. (laughs) Jesus met with Moses, the lawgiver, and Elijah, one of the prophets, prior to completing his mission. He communed with the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill both. I can only imagine how much Jesus enjoyed that short, effective meeting. And I want to go back to the disciples failing. And the message to me here is, a life of prayer and fasting weakens unbelief, making us fit for every spiritual battle. We've been given authority, but the flesh is weak. Faith is always the issue, and it appears that unbelief is weakened by prayer and fasting. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 43, 1-5. And there's no title, and the author's not known, and it's probably the same guy who wrote Psalm 42, Maybe David, but maybe not. Whoever it was, was suffering somehow, probably being persecuted by an ungodly nation, and was asking God to plead for his cause, to protect him. And if you do, Lord, then will I go unto the altar of God, yea, upon the harp will I praise thee. Which maybe if you did that first, you wouldn't be in this fix now, but not my place to say. (laughs) Good point. And I kind of like the tone of this one, verse 5 in the Young's Literal Translation. What? Bowest thou thyself, O my soul? And what? Are you troubled within me? Wait for God, for I still confess him, the salvation of my countenance and my God. Lately, I find that my countenance is in need of God's salvation, and sometimes the soul needs a stern talking to. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 10, verse 18 which says, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander, is a fool. And the better translation is, He who hideth hatred is of lying lips. But these are both the same thing. The idea is, it doesn't matter if you lie about it or you run your mouth about it. If you're indulging hate in your heart, you're a fool and a sinner. Yes. Guard the heart above all things. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for February 28th is Leviticus 22:17 through 23:44. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons and unto all the children of Israel, and say unto them, Whatsoever he be of the house of Israel or of the strangers in Israel that will offer his oblation for all his vows and for all his freewill offerings, which they will offer unto the Lord for a burnt offering, Ye shall offer at your own will a male without blemish of the beeves, of the sheep, or of the goats. But whatsoever hath a blemish, that shall ye not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. And whosoever offereth a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vow, or a free will offering in beeves or sheep, it shall be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no blemish therein. Blind, or broken, or maimed, or having a win, or scurvy, or scabbed, ye shall not offer these unto the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar unto the Lord. Either a bullock or a lamb that hath anything superfluous or lacking in his parts, that mayest thou offer for a freewill offering, but for a vow it shall not be accepted. Ye shall not offer unto the Lord that which is bruised, or crushed, or broken, or cut, neither shall ye make any offering thereof in your land. Neither from a stranger's hand shall ye offer the bread of your God of any of these, because their corruption is in them, and blemishes be in them. They shall not be accepted for you. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When a bullock or a sheep or a goat is brought forth, then it shall be seven days under the dam. And from the eighth day, and thenceforth, it shall be accepted for an offering made by fire unto the Lord. 
And whether it be cow or you, ye shall not kill it and her young, both in one day. And when ye will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. On the same day it shall be eaten up. Ye shall leave none of it until the morrow. I am the Lord. Therefore shall ye keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. Neither shall ye profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord which hallow you, that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Chapter 23 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, and holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. In the fourteenth day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have an holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is an holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye be come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the firstfruits of your harvest unto the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord, to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath the priest shall wave it. And ye shall offer that day when ye wave the sheaf and he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the meat offering thereof shall be two-tenth deals of fine flour mingled with oil, an offering made by fire unto the Lord for a sweet savor. And the drink offering thereof shall be of wine, the fourth part of an hen. And ye shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor green ears until the selfsame day that ye have brought an offering unto your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. Ye shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two-tenth deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be bacon with leaven. They are the firstfruits unto the Lord. And ye shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year, and one bullock and two rams. They shall be for a burnt offering unto the Lord, with their meat offering and their drink offerings, even an offering made by fire of sweet savor unto the Lord. Then ye shall sacrifice one kid of the goats for a sin offering, and two lambs of the first year for a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the firstfruits for a wave offering before the Lord, with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And ye shall proclaim on the selfsame day that it may be an holy convocation unto you. Ye shall do no servile work therein. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of thy harvest. Thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, and holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of this seventh month there shall be a day of atonement. 
It shall be an holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls, and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever soul it be that doeth any work in that same day, the same soul will I destroy from among his people. Ye shall do no manner of work, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and ye shall afflict your souls. In the ninth day of the month at even, from even unto even, shall ye celebrate your Sabbath. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be an holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be an holy convocation unto you, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work therein. These are the feasts of the Lord which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering and a meat offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, everything upon his day. Beside the Sabbaths of the Lord and beside your gifts and beside all your vows and beside all your freewill offerings which ye give unto the Lord. Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feast of the Lord. Our reading in the New Testament for February 28th is Mark 9:30 through 10:12. And they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and saith unto them, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. And he took a child, and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not me, but him that sent me. And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him, because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me, for he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believeth in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were cast into the sea. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, 
and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye, than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. For every one shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltiness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. Chapter 10 And he arose from thence, and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. And the people resort unto him again, and as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Tempting him. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of creation God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Our reading in Psalms for February 28th is Psalm 44, 1-8. To the chief musician for the sons of Korah, Maskil. We have heard with our ears, O God. Our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days in the times of old, how thou did drive out the heathen with thy hand and plantedst them, how thou did afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm, and the light of thy countenance, because thou hadst a favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee we will push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies, and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long, and praise thy name forever. Selah. And our reading in Proverbs for February 28th is Proverbs 10:19. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. And that'll do it for February 28th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is about Isaiah 5.20, which says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on guarding your heart. Because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, many times have we done evil and called it good. And even the good we do is often for our own vain glory. Your word says that man's heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the breastplate of righteousness to protect it. Please forgive us for giving in to temptation and allowing our sinful nature to reign. We wish to honor you, Father. Please teach us to know and do your will. May your good spirit lead us on level ground. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawning I got for you tonight. 
Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, what I really need for y'all to do is pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And y'all pray for each other too. If you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you ain't going to make things any better, just try to hold off on making them worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. What? <laughs> I don't know. Not about. Something I heard somebody say. I'll edit that out. Please do.